Go ahead and turn over to Matthew 22. You'll find this sermon helpful if you have a busy life. You know what? You'll find this sermon uh, helpful if you don't have a busy life. You know, sometimes I think uh, life has its set of priorities, and then different events kind of force new priorities on you or want you to adjust priorities. I remember uh, I wrote a song about 15 years ago, and I was thinking about, like, the kid life, and the title was, Nothing to Do and I'm Only Half Done. You know, and you think about the life of a kid back then, you, you think you're so busy, but you have nothing to get done. And you just can't imagine life getting any busier than what it is at that moment in time. And then you get to the next stage of life. And you always look back and go, wow, I had life so easy before this stage. And I remember uh, learning about priorities such as, you know, time management, financial management. You know, deadlines will put priorities on finances. Remember uh, my first speeding ticket, learning priorities about obeying the speed limit. I was on a windy country road coming home late from a uh, Huey Lewis in the News concert. It was the sports tour, so dating myself. Yeah. And it was late on Iowa Country Road, and it was windy, and I got stuck behind a semi for about 30 miles of windy roads where you just did not have a passing lane, and you finally got the chance to pass. So you do what you were taught to do. Well, you floor it and get around the semi. Well, it just so happened that as I was flooring it going around the semi on the other side of the highway was a, a Iowa Highway Patrol with his radar gun. And so I got my first speeding ticket as a teenager, and I argued with the police officer. I know that's hard for you to believe that I did that. And I was like, I was passing a semi. Like, nobody goes the speed limit passing a semi. You got to get around as fast as you can. You are required to obey the speed limit at all times. I was so mad. I felt like, at least if I was just speeding, but I was like, I was doing the safe driving right thing. I, I thought I had the right priorities. Highway, high, highway Patrol did not agree. So I had to adjust my priorities. You know, in our life, every day, we are making choices. We're making choices with how we live out that day, plan out our week, our month, our goals, our dreams. We have priorities. The question is not whether or not we have priorities because everybody does. Even the people that go, oh, I don't even have priorities. I just wing it each day. I get done what I can. No, you have priorities. Sometimes, you know, a rebelliousness to structure is your priority. And so it's, you call it winging it and being a free spirit. But not having to be bound by a structure is a more important priority. You know, it's just all in how you look at it. Well, Jesus had a lot of people ask him a lot of different questions. And at one point, we're in Matthew 22. There was a guy, and he was trying to test Jesus. He was trying to figure out 
okay, what should my priorities be? And he says in verse 35, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus said, well, I'm just going to make it simple. There's only two priorities you got to worry about. Number one is God, and number two is loving people. You say, well, what's three, four, five, six, seven, and eight? Jesus said, well, I'm not going to answer that. You don't need to worry about that. You just got to make sure every day that you get number one right and that you get number two right. And so let's go to another passage in Matthew chapter 6 talking about God being number one. And this is in the Sermon on the Mount. And we're not going to hit all this. We're going to hit a few highlights, but we're going to start in verse 19. And he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then down in verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not the life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. He goes through and it says, your heavenly father knows you need these things. In verse 32 it says, the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so Jesus is saying here in Matthew 6, the same message that he repeated over in Matthew 22, that God must be your number one priority. Now, he breaks it into two categories. There's a personal part of your relationship with God. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. That's a personal intimacy, connection, righteous living. That's between you and God. You say, what does it mean to seek first his kingdom? Well, that's the community aspect of the body of Christ that is all part of keeping God number one in your life. You see, God and church are not two separate things. God set up his church, the body of Christ, so that we're connected to the head, Jesus, through the body. And so it is impossible for us to be closely connected with God without being closely connected to the body of Christ, the church. And so God must be number one. And so Jesus is saying, hey, as you decide how you're going to live your life, what's most important, he says, make sure that God is who you seek first. Now, I love how he words it because he does not say seek only. Because a lot of times you show somebody this passage and you can get a response like this, oh, so I'm just supposed to pray and read my Bible all day, and that's going to pay my bills, huh? 
Is that what you want me to do? Say no. It says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, not seek only his kingdom and his righteousness. We need to be responsible. We need to pay our bills. But God must be number one in our life. That is the most important priority. Now, what stands in the way of that? Well, I think sitting in your chair, you will find the biggest obstacle. I know it's true in my life. It's why Jesus says in Luke 9 that if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Because you will never make it as a Christian without self-denial. Because what's self-denial all about? Priorities. It's the self wants something and it wants to be top priority. It wants to take over number one, but Jesus said, no, God must be number one. And the self's like, well, I don't like that. That's not convenient. That's a sacrifice. That's a hardship. And I think I should be number one. And Jesus says, if you're going to be a Christian, you must deny yourself. So what are some of the things that uh, Jesus addressed? Our dreams, our goals, our career, our quality of life. You know, these are things we think about and none of them are bad. But none of these should ever become number one priority. God should always stay there. Did I even throw kids sports and activities in there? I'm going to address that a little bit later when we talk about loving people. But I'm going to put it in this category, too, because sometimes the kids' activities aren't even about the kid. It's all about the parent. Us parents, we want him to be a superstar. We want him to be a genius. We want him to do this. We want him to accomplish this. We want to be able to have them do stuff that we can brag about. And so we put their activity in the number one spot, not because they want it, but because if we're honest, it's about us. Is your kids' activities bad? No. I love kids' activities. I love sports. But if we're not careful, it can become number one, where it gets our best time, our best energy, our best thoughts, and God gets our leftovers. So is God number one in the priorities of your life right now? You know, Jesus says, trust God. It's the thing Dennis talked about. Step out on faith. God didn't make promises about our quality of life. A lot of times you, you will hear uh, preachers today talking about prosperity and God wants you to be prosperous and God wants you to be happy and boy, you know, books are, are written by the volume. The only problem is that they're taking the blessings of Judaism out of context and trying to apply them to the Christian, Christian life. Say, no, there's no promises of prosperity for the Christian. You can have a full life and be poor. 
No, what we're living for is not a physical inheritance. It's a spiritual one in heaven. That's our promise as Christians. And it is so important that we fight against the flow of our society that's constantly trying to put something else in the number one priority of your life. You know, when life gets busy, when times get tough, that's where the priorities show itself. You know, when life is easy, it's not too busy, you can kind of accomplish everything. But when you got 30 hours of stuff to do in a 24-hour day, that's where you, you must pick and choose. And most of us, that's where we're living our life. We've got more to get done than is humanly possible. So we've got to pick what we're going to do and some stuff we're going to have to say no to. Say, so God must be number one. In our personal relationship, in our walk with him, in our personal uh, devotional life, praying, studying our Bible, being connected with him intimately, but also in the community setting, in the church life. Our commitment to him, the meeting of the body, coming to midweek on Tuesday, meeting with your family group, coming to the conference, being a part of things that are out there. It says, seek it first. Say, what kind of obstacles stand in the way? If it's first, it's the top priority, and we work everything else around that. God must be number one. Number, number two is love people. You know, uh, back there in Matthew 22, the guy asked him what was the top priority. Uh, Jesus said, here's number one, and by the way, here's number two. You didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. He goes, everything else, you, you will be fine if you accomplish those two things. I said, what's the second one? Loving people. I say, well, what, what kind of people? All of them. The ones that are nice to you, the ones that are mean to you, the ones that you're married to, the ones you gave birth to, uh, the ones that employ you, the ones that boss you around, the ones that enforce the speed limit. Love them all. Jesus tells us to love everybody. He says, love your enemies. You say, well, wh what's the problem? Well, go over to Mark chapter 3. We'll see a good example in this. Mark chapter 3. Jesus was a very good Christian. I hope you agree with me on that. He's who we want to be like. He's who we want to imitate. We want his priorities, his values. We want the way he thinks. We want his heart. He was an excellent Christian. In Mark chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Now, Jesus was commanded to love his family. And he was sinless, so he loved them perfectly. 
He never sinned one time. But you got a problem here because Jesus was so committed, his disciples were so committed, they were meeting needs that he skipped lunch. And when his family heard about this, they said, he is crazy. He is out of his mind. Like, do you ever wonder how they felt later if they're like, hearing Matthew read or Mark read, and they're like, and then his family said, he's crazy, and then later they realized he really was the son of God. You know, because, like, you have brothers and sisters growing up, and sometimes they think they're more awesome than they really are. I'm like, no, you're not. You're just my brother. That's all you are. Don't, don't, don't get prideful. And later you find out he is the son of God. Sorry, bro. <laughs> He's out of his mind. Well, they eventually arrive. Verse 31. Then Jesus, mother, and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and your, and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked around at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. You know what Jesus did? He blew off his family. He ignored them. You say, why? Because his family was trying to take God out of Jesus' number one slot. And they didn't like it. And they said, his commitment is wrong. This is just straight lunacy. What is his problem? We are going to go fix him. You see, loving people is awesome. And always what we need to do. Unless what they want you to do conflicts with number one. And when people stand in the way of Jesus' lordship of your life, guess what you're supposed to do? Ignore what they want you to do. You say, well, that's going to make them mad. Yeah, it could. But Jesus' mom and most of his brothers became disciples. Amazing. You know, we need to love people, but never at compromising God being number one in our life. Parents, one of the most important lessons you can teach your kids is that God and your commitment to Him is number one. And I tell every set of parents this, some point or another the more inconvenient the commitment is, the more value you just taught Him it is to you. The more you got to move mountains to make it happen, the better the teaching opportunity. And parents, I want you to think right now. If your kids were to sit down and say, what is most important in my life to my parents, what would they answer? 
because you're teaching them something right now. You know, I remember uh, the first time mom and dad came to visit when we were living out here in the San Fernando Valley, and they were flying into Burbank, and uh, they said, you know, when's good? And I said, don't fly in on Sunday morning, and don't fly in on Wednesday night. Every other part of the week, pretty much, I could at least flex around to be able to pick you up. And I remember about a week later, all right, we got our tickets. When are you flying in? Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. And I said, do you remember me telling you don't fly in on Wednesday night? And they said, well, yeah, but that's when we got our tickets. And I said, I will send a good buddy of mine to come pick you up. And they said, well, we want you to pick us up. I go, well, then you shouldn't have flown in when I told you not to fly in. I said, I will give your picture to a buddy of mine, and he is a good, reliable picker-upper. And he will pick you up and bring you to our apartment, and we'll see you later that evening when we get home from church. And, uh, you know, they had a little, little attitude about that. But you know what happened? They never flew in on, on Wednesday night again, ever. You know, it's like you take your stand once and they realize that you're serious. But you start, you make an exception with God being number one, they're going to go there every time. It's like don't compromise your number one. It's so critical. You know, I think about how Jesus handled things there. And he said, no, God is number one. He said, I'm not going to do an unloving thing to God to be loving to a human. He goes, that would be misplaced priorities. Now, there's a lot of opportunities to love humans. So this is not an issue of don't be loving. Remember, you can love them any way you want to as long as it doesn't conflict with priority number one. You see how Jesus made it simple? You just love up on people as long as God is number one, okay? Now, they say, well, that doesn't necessarily cover everything. Well, I came up with a category, and this isn't a point, because Jesus only had two points, so I figured I wasn't going to improve on what Jesus did already. But what I call this is other obligations that can conflict with number one or number two. Go to Mark 12. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 13, it says, Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. But you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. That's quite an intro from your enemies right there. I mean, that's impressive. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought him a coin and he asked them, whose portrait is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. 
Then Jesus said to them, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Now, taxes were an obligation. And they're trying to trap him. They're like, okay, which one should we do? Should we give it to God or should we give it to Caesar? And Jesus says, give to Caesar what's Caesar, give to God what's God. This is yes. You do both. See, they're trying to trap him. You know, and sometimes our life gets in a situation and then we've got an obligation that's wedging us in and we go, well, should I obey this obligation or should I obey God? Like Jesus says, do both. You say, well, what if it's a situation where you can't do both? You know, that happened a little later in the book of Acts. Go to Acts chapter 4. Now, the New Testament church has begun, and the disciples are preaching the word, and uh, the Jews did not like it. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, it says, they, Then they called Peter and John them in again, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. But we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So here's a case where they're, they're preaching the word, they heal a guy, and the Jews didn't like it, and the Jewish authorities, the Sanhedrin, call them in and say, we command you to stop. And in this case, Peter says, nope, we will obey God rather than you. You see, Peter says, I will not compromise my number one to make you happy. Now, when it came to paying taxes, Jesus said, hey, do both. In this case, Peter's like, uh-uh. I'm going to obey God because trying to make you happy is going to make me disobedient to God. And I will not give him up in the number one place. Now, in this case, they go, well, we can't figure out what to do because everybody's all fired up about what they've done, so they just let him go. And he goes, see, that's awesome. They trusted God. God protected him. They held strong. Well, let's look in chapter 5. Verse 27. Now it's the apostles. Chapter 5, verse 27. It says, Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. It says, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Then down in verse 38. You see, they get this big argument, and the Sanhedrin are like, well, let's just kill him. Gamaliel says, no. I think, hey, let's let time tell. Is this a movement of God or not? If it's not a God, it's going to fail. But if it is of God, we don't want to find ourselves fighting God. And they are persuaded by Gamaliel. And then in verse 38, he says, therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. 
His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Now, this is kind of similar to chapter 4, but the result's different. Say, so what happened? They're commanded to not teach. And they're like, uh-uh, we're going to. So they go, well, we're not sure what to do. We're just going to flog you and let you go. And they're fired up about it. Now, I don't know if I would be fired up to only get flogged. They were. You know why? Because they didn't compromise on God being number one. Now, they ended up in great physical pain because of the stand. You say, why, why did I put this example in here? Because there are times where obedience to God leads to suffering. And if our priorities are out of place, we can be tempted to somehow feel like our priorities let us down. But if God's number one, whether you suffer physically or not, God stays number one. And so you can be fired up. You know, suffering will test our priorities. It will cause us to evaluate what we think. But if God is one and people are two, hey, we can... We can love God and love people no matter what happens. It doesn't ever upset the pattern. But when things are out of place, we run into trouble. And every day we got to make a choice of how we're going to live. Is God going to be number one? Is our commitment to him, to his church, our personal righteousness, our walk with God, is that going to be and stay number one? Because it will be tested. And loving people. Will that be number two? Jesus says, you get those two things on straight, three through 100, it doesn't matter. Everything else is covered under number one and number two. So I love how Jesus put it. But how are we doing? You know, the good news about priorities is that if they're not where they need to be, you can make a change immediately. You can decide to live differently. You can decide to live for things differently. You can reprioritize your time. You go, well, I'm too busy. I'm too committed to all this stuff and I don't have time. Then go and say no to things. You go, well, I, you know, I want to be a man of integrity. You will be to God. If you say no to the right things. But sometimes our desire to hold integrity on some of the commitments we made actually reveal what's really in the number one spot. And so I want to challenge each one of us to do what Jesus said. Live out the greatest commandment. A heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And he said, and love your neighbors yourself. Because everything else is summed up in those two commandments. Let's put those things into practice. If we got to make a change, do so today. Talk with somebody. Have somebody help hold you accountable so you can stay on target. But let's balance our priorities. Let's keep God number one and loving people number two. Let's stand as we close in a final song.